everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time, and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. The views expressed are not necessarily those of 1010XL 92.5 FM. Now, recruiting tips, advice, and better ways to train. B3 Better presents The Amateur's Edge with Jerry and Sanders, Randy Wade, and A.D. Roberts. The third season's of Amateur's Edge. Tree. We got my boy Randy Way back in the house. So you know I'm in the house, man. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. And we got two new co-hosts this year. Uh, Cleo Lemon and Mr. Tara Butch. We wanted to add a little flavor this year to the show. Um, wanted to mix it up, have some female energy. And also, you know, the, the episodes we had last year with Cleo was very uh, insightful and very entertaining. So we decided to have him on this year. How y'all doing today? Doing great, guys, man. I appreciate you guys opening it up to me, man. Mm, you know, mm, mm. last year that code didn't work for me. This yeah, year yeah. it worked for me, man. <laughs> I appreciate y'all, man. Give me that code, man. There you go. Well, it's a secret society. All we ask is trust. <laughs> it, I'm baby. here. Let's yes, ma'am. And Miss Bunch, glad to have you here. Yes, the Tara J is in the building. I'm happy to be here. I like the way you added the importance of having the female energy. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. So, I just got to get used to it, man. I just have a female, and I'm used to just going through the male's bathroom. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I do, but you normally it. sit down to pee anyway. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Let's start this. Yes, We're back. Me. We're back, baby. We're back. Hey, so Ms. Bunch, can you tell us a little bit about your background, please? Yeah, so grew up playing sports my whole life. I had a father who played professional football, so you can imagine yourself how it was growing up in my household, you know, very um, aggressive in terms of, you know, all of us played sports. We all went to college on athletic scholarships, and so my background in sports comes from being raised by a father who, you know, grew up in sports and did everything he could coming from Hernando County. If you guys are familiar with sports, you know the people that came out of Hernando County. Where's that um, at, Hernando County? It's uh, in the Tampa area. Okay. Kind okay. of. Um, there's a little town called Brooksville. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so uh, went to college on a track scholarship. And after that, I went to Oregon to work for Nike. Mm, and that's, that's when my career in sports started. And then I moved to Jacksonville and ran into someone who said, hey, you have a perfect voice for radio. And I had never heard that before. Mm. Mm. Um, and being on the radio was not on my radar, but long story short, she gave me a contact. I reached out to the gentleman and I started my first year of sports reporting here in Jacksonville on a little station called nine, nine 30, the Fox back in 2006. And I've been in sports ever since did a little stint with ESPN, started my own podcast. I was on the radio here in Jacksonville doing get in the game with Satara J um, and so I'm happy to be a part of the team. I'm excited. Cool. What's I'm up? here to let everybody I, know that females know sports as well. That's what's up. I, I didn't want to interrupt you because I know you're doing your thing, but I don't know who came from Hernando County. So like, uh, like enlighten me. Oh well, first of all, you can you can Google my dad if you want to. Okay. For I sure. think I think he still has a sack record at Albany State, and okay. then he right, played for 
um, the Eagles and, and went on to the Steelers. And then, unfortunately, he had a bad knee injury that ended his career. Okay. But we can start with him. He started He started the crew out of Hernando County. All right, for sure. Sweet, That's awesome. sweet. And, Mr. Lemon, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background, please? Man, a little sports background for me. <clears throat> um, man, played high school, college football at Arkansas State. Had the um, the fortunes of making it to the NFL. Um, that was an incredible ride. Um, got a chance to be a part of the San Diego Chargers, who are now the L.A. Chargers organization, uh, the Miami Dolphins organization, and also the Jacksonville Jaguars organization, which brought me to Jacksonville. And then from that standpoint, had a chance to play some Canadian football up in Toronto, which was an amazing experience. And um, after 10 years of um, sports uh, on that level, um, retired here in Jacksonville, been raising a family and, you know, doing a little quarterback training here and there and, you know, doing my thing just, you know, in, in, in sports and trying to trying to be a part of it and, and appreciate you guys welcoming in. Great, great, man. We appreciate you guys coming on again. We're looking forward to an amazing season. We got a bunch of exciting guests. We got some provocative issues that we're going to be talking about and, and I think we're going to start this year off real good. Uh, Randy, you want to tell them a little bit about this first this first show? Yeah, I, I think it's like we're like uh, what they call it, Avengers, man, because we're hitting it from like the parents' perspective, your trainer, coach perspective, player perspective, female perspective. I think we hit it from all angles this year, man. For sure. For all sure. right, man. But this year's, I mean, this show's guest is going to be a, a great show, a marvelous show. It is Ben Edwards Jr. Like he's a nephew. He's like a nephew to me. He went to a Trinity Christian uh, Academy out of the west side of Jacksonville. And um, he was at a very touted school with a lot of Division One players, and uh, he ended up committing to Ohio State for a little while. And the big news was that he committed to Ohio State, and he decommitted from Ohio State and went to Stanford. And um, also, after he went to Stanford, uh, he got hurt. He had a, a ailment that hurt him and uh, made him retire while he was in his senior year. And so after that, he graduated from Stanford University, ended up getting a job in New York, and uh, about two years ago, <clears throat> to a year ago or so, he came out with a, a, a statement on social media, and it was a really, really big statement. And uh, we're going to talk about that this show. It's going to be awesome. He has an amazing, amazing story, so we're going to talk a little bit about that in the next coming segments. Uh, but let's transition into this weekend, man. We got some exciting playoff games. Um, Want to know what you guys' predictions are, Cleo? So when it comes to the NFL playoffs – I, I think this is the best time of the year for football, yes, you know, other than the national championship for the, you know, college football level. But when it comes to, you know, Baltimore Ravens versus Kansas City, it, it's going to be tough to go against Mahomes, man. Um, I, they've been there. You know, he's been a starter in the league for six years. He's been to six AFC championship games. Six. So, yeah, he, he it's expected. You know, the expectations for him and his team and Andy Reid and, what they bring to the table, but I'm going with I'm going with Baltimore. I, I want Lamar yeah, to do yeah, it. Yeah. I think Lamar is at home. I think the defense is at an all time high. So I'm gonna go with the Ravens in that game. And then when we talk about the 49ers versus the Lions, I'm gonna go with the Lions, man. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I want the Lions to do that thing. You know that fan base. Have, you know they've stuck with that organization through some tough years. Um, and just to see what Dan Campbell brings to the table. You know, the story with, with Jared Goff and what he's bringing, I, I think it's just a made-for-TV story. So I'm, I'm pulling for the Ravens. I'm pulling for the Lions to get to the Super Bowl. There you go. Ms. Bunchwick. 
Well, listen, there's this interesting conspiracy that if you look at the backdrop of the Super Bowl logo, that the team's colors who are supposed to make the Super Bowl are in the logo. Mm. So it's a conspiracy. You got to look it up. So according to the conspiracy, the Ravens and the 49ers are going. Now, I'm looking at this game between the Chiefs and the Ravens. My heart is with the Chiefs because they have my old coach, Andy Reid. For those who know me, I am an Eagles fan. We don't got to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Fly, Eagles, fly. We didn't so much this season. But I'm pulling for Lamar. And because um, it's Lamar, right? Right, I just want to see him. I want to see him get his first ring. Um, And I'm a John Harborough fan, okay? I'm a Ray Lewis fan, so it would be nice to see them get a Super Bowl. Um, after all these years. And then I'm kind of with Cleo. I'm pulling for the Lions. I like Dan Campbell. Yes, everybody. He does. is a players coach. He's exciting. I love watching him on the sideline. And even though I enjoy Christian McCaffrey, I'm a Christian McCaffrey fan, and I think Brock has been a good story this whole season, I think it's time that we see a Cinderella team go all the way. And so I'm pulling for Dan Campbell. They've got to play a solid four quarters of football on all sides of the ball. Defense, offense, and special teams got to show up big. They got to get Brock unsettled early, right? They got to rattle that um, offensive line. It's going to be challenging when you got Trent Williams covering Brock's backside. But I think the Lions have a chance. I think it's going to be a close game. Whoever wins, I think that game is going to be by three. And I think the same – for the Chiefs and the Ravens, unless it becomes a shootout. Bold, bold. What you thinking, Mr. Wade? I'm, mine's kind of simple. Uh, I want Lamar to go, but I think uh, the Chiefs cement themselves as a dynasty. And uh, I'm going with San Francisco for the, for the defense, as long as Brock Purdy doesn't make a lot of interceptions. Sweet. So I think it, I think we got a sweep when it comes to Baltimore, because I'm going for Lamar to take that step. This is going to be a defining moment in his career. Um, when you talk about separating yourself and putting yourself on that next level, that upper echelon of of greatness, this is his time to make that leap. So, rooting for Lamar, going for the going for Baltimore on that front, and then I'm going for that dynasty in Detroit. So, hopefully, we see that happen. It's but- going to be exciting football. I'm excited. I I mean, I'm one of those people that on Sundays. Don't text me. Don't call me. I'm watching football. <laughs> I'm on the couch. I made a post. I made a post the other week. I'm on the couch. The only time I get up is to eat. So it's gonna be exciting. And, and I, I, to hear don't, for, don't forget, I went for Kansas City now. So I went for Kansas City, not not Baltimore. Okay, no, okay, good deal. So I guess we're gonna pay some bills now. Yeah, let's pay some bills. Listen, this segment was brought to you by Premier Physical Therapy. Your wellness journey begins at Premier Physical Therapy and Rehabilitation, the gold standard in orthopedic and sports rehab for adults and adolescents alike. Dial 904-996-6922, or you can visit premierptjax.com today. Again, that's Premier, P-R-E-M-I-E, R, the letter P, the letter T, J-A-X.com today for the premier experience. You're listening to The Amateur's Edge on 1010XL 92.5 FM. And we're back, we're back. Welcome back, everybody, to The Amateur's Edge. Uh, we ready to get this show kicked off. It's going to be a great, great show today. Ben, are you there? I am here. How are y'all? Good. How are you? Ben, what's happening, man? What's going on? I'm doing all. I'm doing all right. Appreciate y'all having me on. Ben, you ain't you ain't nervous, are you? Uh, 
No, I'm good. All right, man. Don't be I'll, nervous, I'll man. I'll walk the show going on. Oh, no. Don't be nervous, man. Ben, I, let, me, let me just tell you, Ben. This is Satara. Um, I'm I'm here for you. I'm on your side. I got your back, okay? I'm going to keep the guys in line. All right. I yeah. appreciate right. it. So, 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 so to start it off, Ben, let's rewind all the way back like we're doing most shows and, and just talk about – I don't want to go out as far as – because we got so much important stuff to talk about. I don't want to go all the way back to, like, Pop Warner or anything like that, but I want to rewind it back to, like, Trinity Christian Academy and that team you had, and, you know, you're friends with most of those guys still today, as I see on social media. I don't be social media stalking or nothing, but, like, yeah, I, I, can see, I can see you friends with a lot of people that you was friends with in high school. And that, that's not a – everybody say brotherhood, but that's, uh, that's not in every situation. But let's talk about that, that touted team you had and how good y'all were. Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we had a lot of do – uh, going to college, but I mean, it started on pretty like in our ninth grade year. We all came summer workouts. Um, that's really when it started, just the bond. Um, having the coaches kind of push us really hard. We kind of came closer as a group, uh, just like within the team. So like the coaches, as you know, like they're mostly negative, telling us that we're not good, and then like within our like the players ourselves, it's kind of how we just stood together, just got through the workouts. Um, but we all had a goal. We know Trinity always had a really good program, and so we wanted to be the group to kind of carry on that tradition um, and then write our own names in history, get our own rings, you know, be the group that sends, like, 10 guys to college. Um, so it just started with just setting that goal and then starting in workouts, putting in the work, building that camaraderie, um, and then it paid off. So we had a lot of guys go to D1 schools, um, Auburn, LSU, Georgia Tech, North Carolina, um, Ohio. Uh, I went to Stanford. Um, we sent guys all over the world, um, and we're still pretty close to this day. Um, I'm I'm really close with Andre. You know, he plays for the Falcons, and then Vic, who went to Georgia Tech. Um, those always been my guys, and um, yeah. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good high school experience. I actually missed it. Those were like the best days of my playing career. I was in high school, been in a locker room. Um, I miss it. Yeah, I know you do, man. A lot of people say high school is like their best time of their career. I did have one more question before I, I, I fend it off to somebody else. Um, you was a dual yeah. athlete, man. I remember your senior year, I believe. Uh, me and my son, we was begging you to play uh, basketball. Because we thought we had a really good team, but a lot of people didn't want to play because we had one of my old Bill Belichick daddy's ball coaches. You remember that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, but I, that was the no, question. I mean, my question is: my question is, being a dual athlete, how did it help you specifically in playing safety at Stanford? Uh, it kept me in shape. Uh, safety, we run a lot. BBs, I mean, we always run a lot. Got to be very like. Uh, flexible, fluid, you got to be able to move your hips. And so playing basketball, running track, um, it kept me active. Uh, it kept me in state for the most part, even though I was never good at conditioning. Um, but, well, yeah, I think that um, just like always being active year-round, playing all this sports, and then also, like, as you know, like the football players also ran track play basketball from time to time. So that just kind of helped build our bond, too. Cause we was always around each other. Like, it was just, like, nonstop just being with those guys, which is why I think that we're still kind of close to this day. So, like, football was the main sport. Um, when we did the other ones, that's kind of like hobbies, just to, like, continue to hang around each other and just be competitive. 
So, Ben, initially uh, you were committed to Ohio State. Um, you were committed there for like two years, but eventually you ended up decommitting and committing to the University of Stanford. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about that decision and why you made that decision? Yeah, so um, I forget the year we all went, but we all took like a tour of some of the, like, the top schools. We went to Bama, Tennessee, Ohio State was one, Florida State was one. Um, but then we went to Ohio State. I mean, when I when we went, we was we was on campus, uh, just being in the stadium, meeting the coaches. Uh, at the time, they had Urban Meyer as the head coach. So, you know, given his like history in Florida, um, that was always like my goal. Like, I always wanted to play for Urban Meyer, and so um, they didn't they didn't offer me when I went on the visit. They offered me later on in my high school career. But once they offered me, um, just wanted to play for Urban. Like I just I just had to commit. Um, and I think at the time they were only taking like two safeties in my class. And so, you know, you get into that battle of you don't want to lose your spot. And so I did commit kind of early. Um, which is like, I, I don't regret. I mean, at the time I was really sold on Ohio State. But a lot of people forget that after when I, I took a visit to Auburn like uh, later in the year. Uh, that's when they play Alabama in the Iron Bowl, and then like they return a field goal back for the touchdown. Like I was there with my parents, and then um, I actually committed to Auburn after that game. And so I went from Ohio State to Auburn. I was committed to Auburn for a while, uh, but at the same time, Stanford was still recruiting me. But the thing about Stanford is that I had to get accepted as like a regular student. So you take away academics. I had to have the SAT scores. I had to have letter of recommendations, the community service. Um, I had to write the essays that they wanted me to write. Uh, Stanford actually built my entire senior schedule just so, like, my resume on paper can like, align with all the really smart kids that got accepted into the school. So I didn't have an easy, like, senior schedule. Like, I was, like, grinding um, that year and so and so eventually, once Stanford, I got the scores, then Stanford accepted me. And then that's when I, like, I laid all my options out on paper. Um, I started thinking about, you know, like, what if something happens to me? Like, what if I can't physically play football no more? Which school sets me up the best for success? And so when I started thinking about that, I mean, it was clearly Stanford was the obvious choice. And then I um, ended up committing, and I went. And then, uh, yeah. So, Ben, you, I mean, wow, you, you said a lot in that. And so I've got a few follow-up questions. You mentioned that you just wanted to play for Urban Meyer. And, and that's interesting to hear from, I mean, at that age, I'm guessing you're like 15, 16 years old. So what about Urban Meyer, yeah. what about him as a coach made you have this desire to want to play for him at Ohio State? Yeah, growing up, I was a I was a Florida Gators fan. Like my dad loved the Gators, and so just him leading that team, um, I, I was just always like a, a a big fan, and just like how he operated his program. I know he was, I know he was a tough coach, um, but just having like that history of just winning, um, and just being a, a hard a hard nosed coach, put guys in the NFL. Um, that's, that's what I was, that's what I was looking for. Um, and then like throughout my recruitment, like he would call me on his personal phone, 
Um, and so it's like, it's like as you growing up as a kid and you see a guy on TV and like he's coaching for the Gators and then like you have like this own personal relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Um, like that was just like, it was a dream for me. Yeah. And so that played a big role in me ultimately committing. That's awesome. I'm I'm sure as a kid, that was super exciting to have someone like Urban Meyer calling your personal cell phone, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so another thing you said, and, and and I'm just interested because nowadays we don't see kids having this mindset. So you're a 16, 17 year old kid. And correct me if I'm wrong. And you said you made the decision to go for Stanford because you knew that if something happened to you athletically, that Stanford would set you up academically. How, at that age, how do you make a decision like that? Were your parents involved in that decision at all? Or, or did you have that mindset yourself? It was a mixture of both. So my mom was always like the academic person. Like if I didn't have the grades, I couldn't play football uh, in any sport. And then my dad was always like, you know, just stay eligible. Like don't be a dummy, but like just make the grade and like, you know, focus on football. Like he didn't want me to work like any jobs or anything. Like a lot of people, a lot of my high school teammates had like jobs in high school. He was like, no, just focus on football, focus on school. Uh, but my mom was was like the main pusher on me on that, and she's really smart. Like all of my smarts come from my mom. She has a PhD. She's like one of the smartest people I know. Um, and so like that, just her, just kind of pushing me. It's my mom and my stepmom actually. They both were like the academic people who said that hey, like a lot of people play football, a lot of people play any sports, and all of these athletes take their education seriously, and that's what can separate me from just the average guy, like being able to be well-rounded, be, be able to say, hey, like I got a, a scholarship to play football, but I also can, I could have got a scholarship just off my grades alone. Um, and so like I always wanted something to kind of just help me like stand out from my peers. And so, you know, some people were like, like superstars in both like basketball, football. I was okay in basketball. It was like, they didn't have the grades. So I was like, okay, so what can I do? To kind of stand out amongst the team. And so it was always like school. Since I was a little kid, like I always just took school seriously. I knew at some point um, I was going to need it. And so, um, yeah, I think I, I honestly think I was more passionate about making a good grade in sports. Um, but yeah, I, I credit my mom for that. But I, I always wanted that for myself too. Hey, you so said, you said something very, very important. What happens to me if something ha- if I can no longer play football and that thing did happen? Can you talk a little bit about what happened to you and why you had to end your playing career? Yeah, so um, heading into my senior year, winter workout. So it was January 2018. Um, we just finished like my junior year, heading into my senior year. It's like the one of like the first or second workout of the year starting off like the new year um and so post-workout basically long story short I had passed out after workout they rushed me to the emergency room and then they diagnosed me with atrial fibrillation and what that is it's a form of a irregular heartbeat and obviously so like basically I used to get these palpitations like throughout the day but then they are really kick in when I'm working out. So when I'm doing any type of strenuous activity, uh, my heart is just like beating out of my chest. 
And what's funny is like in high school, even though I was I, I always was active, but like I would uh, apparently I never can get in shape. Like that's what my coach used to tell me because like I wasn't the most conditioned, well conditioned athlete. But it was a reason for that. It's because like I literally had uh, irregular heartbeat. It was die. I was diagnosed with AFib, which is kind of crazy at the age that I was. I think I was like what 21 at the time. Um, and so basically I had a procedure, um, like in February or March of 20, I don't know, 2018, um, they corrected a heartbeat. Um, I started running again and then I ultimately went back into football. So like we had, we did our spring ball in half. So like I missed the first half of spring ball, but I did the second half. I played in a game and so I was set up pretty much headed into my senior year as the starting safety. Um, and then, so, like, I started the first three games. Uh, I was, like, one of the leading tacklers on the team, was having a good year. And then, like, it was the week that we were going to play Oregon. Uh, it was college game day. Justin Herbert's the quarterback. He was, like, the highest in favorite or whatever early in the year. So, like, it's like our third game. Um, and then during practice during that week, I had got like a sharp pain in my chest. I couldn't breathe. And so they rushed me to the hospital and then they found that I had like this fluid around my heart and the heart sac, like sort of sac that holds the heart. I had this fluid around my heart and it was basically a, a heart infection. It's called pericarditis. Um, and so that took me out like my whole senior year. Because imagine, like, if you have, like, your heart and it's beating, but it doesn't have the space to beat. So I just had constant chest pain, um, like, over the last five months. Like, I couldn't even walk. Like, they mm. gave me a golf cart so I can get around class. Um, ben, and Ben. So I basically, after that. Ben, not to yeah. cut y'all, buddy. We got to pay some bills real quick, but we're going to bring you back for the third segment. Right. And we'll finish up. All right. Thank you, Ben. Again, this segment is being brought to you by Premier Physical Therapy. Your wellness journey begins at Premier Physical Therapy and Rehabilitation. Premier Physical Therapy is the gold standard in orthopedic and sports rehab for all adults and adolescents alike. Contact them at 904-996-6922 or you can visit their website at www.premier, the letter P, the letter T, J-A-X.com today for the Premier Experience. You're listening to The Amateur's Edge on 1010XL, 92.5 AM. We'll be back. 1010XL is presented by Farrah & Farrah, exclusive injury law firm of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Protecting you and your family. Call 396-5555. Jacksonville. The Amateur's Edge, brought to you by B3 Better on 1010XL. Ben, you still with us? Yeah, I'm still. All right, that's what's up, man. So, all right, so we got the music playing. Ring and ding and dong over here. But, uh, all right, Ben. So we bring it back in. So this is a very, very important part of the show, um, uh, this next topic we're going to talk about. 
So let's just get right into it. Um, about two years to uh, a year ago, you made a IG post on social media. Uh, can you talk about that post? I can. Um, so April of last year, um, I came out as bisexual. Um, that that was the post in a nutshell. <laughs> All right, so you, you came out as bisexual. So is this the yeah. first time you doing this uh, was to the world? Did you tell your family and friends before then, or did everybody? Because when I looked at it, I was just surprised, you know what I'm saying, because it's, it's, just, it's yeah. just different. So it was that your first time telling yeah. everyone? Uh, I told my my family and close friends the year prior. So like over the summer um, of 2022, I told like my dad, my mom, my stepmom, my brother, and I told some close friends. But I haven't, I didn't announce it publicly until um, last year in April. All right. Before I pass the questions over to my my compadres, uh, when did you know? Uh, oh, I mean, I knew early on that I was attracted to both guys and girls. So I'd probably say when I was like 13, knew early, um, but it was never something that I pursued. I think I was in denial for the longest, just being in Florida, being an athlete, uh, being a Christian. Like my parents are very religious people. I am too. And so for the longest, I was always like in denial. It's nothing that I thought twice about, but I just knew that I was different. Um, and it wasn't until me being grown and like living on my own until I actually, you know, the thought to pursue what I was feeling. Absolutely. So, so, so Ben, was it difficult um, coming out to people you were close to? Um, and again, this is important because again, you know, there's a lot of young kids who, who are in the situation you're in, and we want them to feel comfortable about their decision, and we just want to talk through it a little bit more. So just wondering, how, how was it? Uh, yeah, it was difficult. It's not easy when you when you make that type of um, announcement and you tell your close friends that have been rocking with you for the longest. You always feel like, how are they going to react? Um, for the most part, my close friends, like my guys and my family, like they took it better than I thought they would, honestly. Um, like at the end of the day, like I'm still the same band. I'm still mm -hmm. the same guy that they came to know and love. Like nothing changed really about me. Um, it was just a part of me that they just didn't know that I wanted to tell them. Um, but they all still love me the same, like. My best friends are still my best friends. Um, I did lose a couple of friends that I was expected, but looking back on it, I guess they really were my friends, and mm -hmm. so I don't miss them in any way. Um, I have the people that I need. I have a great support system, um, but it's but it, it's not easy. But it gets easier as time goes on. Gotcha. And then you know, Ben, it's nothing but love, man. It's a huge, huge um, support for you and what you know, you're going through and all that. So when kids are in that position, right, they're young, they're having these thoughts of, you know, should I share this information at, at that age, at an early age, would you, would you recommend that? Would you recommend living your truth at an earlier age? Because, you know, it seems like it was a lot later when you built up the confidence to come out. Would you, would you give that advice to yeah. 
that younger generation of how to handle that? I will give two responses to that answer. I think everybody's timing, whatever it is, whatever, if it's a secret, if it's a lifestyle, it's a, if it's a sexuality, like whatever you have um, that you don't feel comfortable sharing with the world, I don't, I won't say that that's the age that you should do that. I would say that whenever you feel ready to share that information and whenever you feel ready to live your truth, that's when you do it. It's not a, it's not an age to it. But I will say is that after I came out, like I've been living like my best life. <laughs> Absolutely. Because yep. <laughs> like once you do come out, it's a huge burden that's lifted off your shoulder. Um, you don't have to like lie. You don't have to run around the truth anymore. Like all of your friends know who you are. Like they know like your true interests and it gets easier. And then the people with these same interests, they'll start to come around. They'll start to befriend you. Like, they'll start to want to connect with you. And then you build, like, these closer bonds with people who have similar interests in what you have. Um, so that will be my response to that. Question. Um, did keeping your sexual orientation a secret during your playing career affect your mental health? And if so, how? Um... Did it affect my mental health? I think it's. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna it's a tough question. When I came out, I was, I was. I was. When I came out, a lot of my friends, they told me that like we knew this that like, I was very reserved and closed off in college. Um, and I was never like a guy. I didn't go out a lot. I was just very like to myself. Uh, but after I came out, they was like, we can just tell. They didn't know that I was bisexual, but they knew that something was just wrong with me. They knew that I wasn't like my, I wasn't comfortable. Like I wasn't like my true self. And they didn't know that I was bisexual. They didn't know what it was, right. but they just knew that something wasn't right. Um, and so I don't want to say it affected my mental health. I would just say that like, I was just very like, tense all the time because I was in spaces that I didn't really want to be in. Um, but that all, that all went away once I came out. Gotcha. Gotcha. And we, and we all know that, uh, the LGBTQ plus community suicide rate is, is higher, uh, uh, especially in sports. Um, so at, at no, at no time you would have came out before, before this, before coming out after, you know, you graduated from Stanford? Yeah, I, like, yeah, I mean, like, I I wasn't ready to do that when I was in college. Um, I needed to do some more self-reflecting. I needed to become a more confident person in in who I was. And at the same time, I think in college, I was still um, in denial about the whole thing. And so... Um, no, I wouldn't have did it in college. Gotcha, gotcha. So, throughout your career in regards to, you know, sexual preference and things of that nature, how challenging was it for you, especially, like, in the locker room? Because I know that when it comes to sexuality and things like that, you know, you being attracted to men, how, how, were, you, how were you able to handle that in that situation? I I didn't see any of my teammates in that way ever. Like I, I that's it's completely different when you're in a locker room compared to when you're at like a 
a bar or something like right, that. Right. Like in the locker room, those are my brothers. Those are my family members. You won't look at your family member. I hope people don't look at their family members in that type of way. Ben, like that's ben. how. That's what I can. <laughs> no, yeah. good, good. I was trying to tell Jerry that man. He thinks that. Uh, I think he thinks that. Like if a gay person look at him, but if he's ugly to girls, he's ugly to men too. So like, <laughs> well, I, I've, ben, been so to, listen, I've been trying to tell but, him. But but so this I've the point. This is the point I was trying to make. When and I'm glad you made that point, yeah. Ben. Like me being a heterosexual male, if you drop me in the locker room full of 110 women, I'm you know there's going to be a woman in there that I'm attracted to. Right. So, and that was the point I was trying to make to Randy. And so I'm glad you was able to clarify that, because, again, in this type of situation, people need to feel comfortable. You need to feel comfortable. And guys need to know that that's not the mentality in that type of setting. So that, that was the only question, that was, you know, and people want to know those questions, you know. So my, my, yeah. only, my, my only issue uh, and I don't I don't have issue. It's just just uh, when some people are really uh, flamboyant in certain type of ways in certain business situations. I think that's the only thing that makes people uncomfortable. Like I, that's the if I was a football yeah. player, which I'm not a football player or nothing like that. But if I was in a locker room, like you know, 40 years ago or whatever, like it, it would you just be if somebody who was flamboyant over at the top, doing stuff when we're in a business mode trying to get something done. That makes sense. Um, that makes sense. Uh, I think that everybody expresses themselves differently. Right. Um. Some people are louder than others, but that's just who they are. I feel like everyone as an individual has something about themselves that someone will point you out and say, why does so-and-so do this? Do, do it so differently than, like, whatever. Like, we all are different in our own way. I mean, I think we just let like, people just be themselves and just, like, I, I get it. Like, but at the end of the day, like, we're all, we're all different, but we're all human at the same time. So... Um, something I'm still learning, like even in this community, is still very new for me and everyone has their own identity in it. And I'm still in a way, I'm still trying to build mine. Um, but I think that at the end of the day, like, I always just pride of myself growing up, just be a good person, be respectful. Oh, yeah, that's what's up. Um, be like, you know, be likable and then like let the work, let the rest of it play out by itself. Right. Right. So I, I did have a question I wanted to ask. Does, in your opinion, does a parent's responsibility to their children, does it have anything to do with sexual orientation or sexual preference? Meaning, like, we teach our children how to walk. We teach our children about credit. We teach them how to drive. We teach them different relationships. Should a parent, in your opinion, yeah. uh, affect their preference, their sexual preference? There's nothing that my parents could have done differently um, that would have changed who I, who I am. Um, like, I played every sport. I did everything manly that you would think. That, and I'm still a man, but I'm a, I'm a queer man. I'm proud to say that. Like, I cut the yard. Like, I cleaned the whole house. Like, I played sports. Like, I used to wrestle with my cousins. Like, I was like, I, like my, my dad was strict on me. Uh, my mom, my stepmom, like, uh, they were all strict parents. Like, we went to church every Sunday. Like, they did everything right. But, like, at the end of the day, like, I I literally, like, some people don't believe me when I say this, but, like, I feel like I was born like this. And once you're born a certain way, um, like I said, for the longest, like, I strictly was just dating women up until last year. Always dated women, always dated women, always, always into now over this, over 
over just being bisexual. Um, but nothing really changed that. It's something that this is who I am. Um, and how you're raised, parents really can't do anything about it, unfortunately. Right. And, you know, Ben, I, I, first of all, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I, I feel it's important to have these types of conversations because a lot of these questions people just flat out won't ask. And I think in order for us to gain understanding and have some unity in this world, you know, these questions and these conversations have to be had. And so, you know, again, I thank you for coming mm-hmm. on the show answering these questions. Um, we appreciate how brave you've been. And, you know, just know that you're inspiring people with your story and with your journey. And, man, keep pushing. We're proud of you. I had the chance to work with you a, a couple of times before you went back to Stanford. I know you're a good dude. And, and you know, uh, again, man, all the best of luck to you. All right, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. All right, big dog. All right, Ben, man. Appreciate right. you. Thank you, Ben. Yeah. Thank you. Good right, deal. Good Good deal, man. Yeah, man, it's refreshing to have somebody on the show to, you know, speak their truth. I think, uh, again, when you talk about the suicide rate in, in the LGBTQ plus community, uh, you know, hopefully someone listening to this show was inspired by this and, and maybe it saved a life or two. And I think it's refreshing to live your truth, right? right? To be who you are and just to lay it out on the table and to come in here and have that conversation, um, you know, with this community where he's from and, we want to let him know that he's loved and supported and whatever we can do to assist in any kind of way, man, we're here for him. I think, I think refreshing is definitely the word. Uh, I think at this time, Jaren, you should come out. No matter how much toothpaste you use, you got that bad breath. You know what I'm saying? So we need to, fight. We need to work on fighting that, man. You know what I'm saying? We hear you, Randy. We hear you. Well, again, <laughs> thanks, guys. We, will, we are glad to be back, and we'll be seeing you guys on the other side.